Thank you, Jesus. You know, I um, got in last night about a little after 8 and um, got, got everything unpacked and the kids settled. And I told Michelle, I said, I just have to go to the church for just a little bit. And I came in here and I got down at these altars. I just laid down and I said, God, I love this church. I love these altars. I love this ministry. I love this anointing. I love this vision. It's not the same when you're not right here in this building. You know, God's everywhere, and I carry the vision with me, and all that stuff is true, but I just, I lay right over here, and I just hugged the altar. I said, God, I love, I love this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for these prayer warriors. Thank you, Jesus, for our pastor, our apostle, who's led the way for us, who's pioneered. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because without that mantle and anointing that, that she's brought in, Pastor Pinson's brought in over the years, this would just be a building. But do you know that there's, it's precious up here. It's precious. It's pricely. It's costly. I just give you praise, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk to y'all some about the vision. Uh, Elder Barber talked about the vision in Sunday School some, and I want to talk about really the vision that God gave me um, as we move into this next phase of our ministry here. Because um, it's been a little while since I really made it plain. And that is that I, my vision is that God raises up this next generation. He gave me that word in Acts chapter 2 where he said that I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I said, you know, that's the opposite of the way it is in the natural. The young people are the dreamers. They don't have the head grounded in reality and they don't have any experience to do anything with their dream. They just have a dream. And the old people are wise and they have a, and they understand the vision and they're the carriers of the vision and they help young people, you know, not get lost in their dreams. I said, but I believe God's changing that in this church for this time to where the young people are ready to pick up the vision and carry it. And God's going to set our older generation free to dream wild dreams again in God. Amen. Not just I have a vision for Freedom Ministries and for CrossFit and I'm going to work and labor in that harvest, but wild dreams where we go to the nations and we have fire coming to the entire nation of America. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. And so our generation has to rise up and say, we're going to carry that vision for CrossFit. Amen. Because somebody has to carry the vision. And if nobody's carrying the vision, then they can't go. Pastor can't go to Africa, to Chicago, to everywhere that God's calling her and the Holy Ghost is calling her, if there's not a people here who rise up and say, this vision isn't Pastor Angie's vision. This vision isn't Pastor Pinson's vision. This vision isn't just Pastor Casey's vision, Elder Robert's vision, and a few people's vision that decided to pick it up. This vision belongs to Freedom Ministries. God placed the vision here. This vision is for CrossFit Arkansas. And if we're here and listening to the sound of my voice, 
the vision is my vision. It's your vision. Can we just say that? It is my vision. The vision of Freedom Ministries is my vision. The vision of laying my life down in prayer so that I can help somebody else be free is my vision. The vision of never giving in to control and religion and always going after the Spirit of God is my vision. It's my vision. It's my vision to not ever come to church and just sit here and be bored. It's my vision that every time I come to church that God moves and he changed lives. It's my vision. It's my vision. And there's not any one of us too young for to say that's my vision. I used to say, you know, people in my generation, we have all these kids. We have, we have all these things to do. How can we do it all? And then I met Dr. Paintsel and I was ashamed. I was ashamed to ever complain about having too much to do. He's got kids, just as many kids as I got. More kids, I think. He has more kids. <laughs> and, um, and he's the head of a department at a hospital, and he's over, I don't know how many, a bunch of churches, five churches, five churches, thousand people. No, not one of us is too busy. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was driving home. And uh, just praying. <laughs> the kids were doing something in the back seat. And, and uh, I was just, I was praying and, and I just said, God, you know, I don't even think that I know you very well. Like, I just know you this much. Like, I got a little crumb off of a whole loaf of bread. And that, and that scripture came to me where Paul said that it's the greatest desire of his heart just to know him. Just to know him. And I said, God, you know... Somehow we get this religion, religious spirit that sits on us, and we say, do you have a relationship with God? Yes. Do you satisfy with your relationship with God? Yes, I have a relationship with God. I love God. I pray every day. But just this, even Paul looked at himself, and he said, I, it's still my greatest desire just to know God and have a relationship with God. There's no end to the depth of that relationship that we can have with him. No end to it. We should always be going after. We are never. We should never say, well, "I have. I just. I have a relationship with God." How much more of God is there out there that I can just be complacent and sit and say, "I. I was just. I was. I was praying." And you know, if you pray, you assume you have a relationship with God. And I just. And it just hit me while I was driving down the road. I said, "God, I don't even. I barely even know you. Just barely." Just barely even know you. God, I just want to know you. Whatever I have to do to hear your voice and to hear you speak, God, I just that's all that I want is to know you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because when we know him, you know, that's when he said, my sheep hear my voice. And when we know him, when he speaks to us. <coughs> but you know, a lot of us haven't changed very much since Israel when they didn't really want a relationship with God. They just wanted the blessings of God. They didn't really want the relationship. God showed up on the mountain and they said, we actually just want somebody else to hear God for us 
And we just want God to bless us in the process. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Do you know that that is treating God like a prostitute? And I know y'all don't like that word in church, but it's, it's the truth, though. Because we want to give in the offering. We want to pay a little money. And we want to get something out of it. We just want to get something from him, whatever he's going to give us. We just want to get something. But God called the relationship with the church a marriage. If we want to get his goods, then we have to have a relationship. Not a transaction. Jesus. 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 Mm. God, don't let it be enough that my pastor prophesies over me. Don't let it be enough that I just go after a pastor to tell me what God said, God. Don't let it be enough, God, that I'm just happy with you blessing my finances and that's it. Jesus. Jesus, we want a relationship with our provider. We want a relationship with the voice of prophecy in our life. We want a relationship so we can hear you, God. We want a relationship with Jesus. Oh, my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, my God. Hey, Oh, Jesus. Hearing from God takes a relationship. And, um, and so we, Elder Barbara was talking about our emotions and our mind in Sunday school. You know, the Bible says that our heart, following our heart and our feelings, our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. When we just try to live by our emotions, which is what we try to do sometimes, God, we know we're going to be lied to because the Bible said the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, above everything in the world. The heart, my heart is deceitfully wicked. And so if I allow myself to just go with emotion and not have the relationship to hear the voice of God, I'm going to be swept away by something crazy. Jesus. Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, he showed up to him and he said, If you're the Son of God and you're hungry, then tell this stone to be turned into bread so that you can eat. And he said, A revelation back to Satan. He said, Man shall not live by bread alone. But on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now we have to understand the bread that he's talking about there is just feeding my flesh. It's whatever makes me feel good. In the moment, Jesus said bread would have made me feel very good. Given to my flesh would make me feel very good. 
at that particular moment. And in that time, y'all know how easy it is for the voice of the devil to sound just like, or the voice of our flesh a lot of times to sound just like the voice of God and say, yes, as a matter of fact, I can work a miracle and have some bread to eat. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That sounds like God to me. And so our heart takes us into places, our flesh, that is our heart, our mind, our will, our emotion, just all those, all those feelings. They ta- it takes us into places that God did not tell us to go. And it's deceitful, deceitfully wicked, because it tricks us into thinking that it's God. How many of us in that situation who did not have the mind of Christ would have said, yes, as a matter of fact, that bread is for me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm hungry. God provided some bread. Woo. Shonda. I keep looking down at my notes like I have any idea what I'm saying right now. (laughs) Um, Jesus. Oh, my God. Father, we need to know your voice. We need to hear your voice, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm, my God. Jesus. Jesus, we want to know you. How many of us just really, we just say, I want to know God. Then why don't we pray? Why? I don't want to say this to brag. I want to say it's illustrated point. So yesterday I, I prayed all the way home, told God I just want to know him. You know, yesterday was my anniversary. 11 years. <laughs> Thank you. And I hadn't seen my wife all week, hadn't seen her all day that day. And I came in, and I said, hi, honey, I love you. I came to the church to pray. And I felt bad about it. I actually prayed about it all the way up here. I said, all the, all the way back to town. I said, God, I, I want to go up there. I said, but it's my anniversary. And that just sounds, it sounds right. I should stay with my wife on my anniversary. Maybe I should have, I don't know. But what I knew was in my heart, my greatest desire was God. And I just needed, I just needed for a little bit to come and be at this altar. So how can we, why do we put prayer on the list of things that we do when we're done with the other things in our life? Why do we put relationship with Jesus on the list of things that we do when I'm done with the other things? 
if it's my greatest desire, God, I'd really just want to know you. I, you know that I've told you all the story a thousand times, I feel like, but that, that boy I met that we heard at the conference, I heard him just standing in the line, who was criticizing the ramp for how much they pray. All they do is pray. Everybody, if they're going to teach you how to be a minister, all they do is tell you to pray, pray, pray. That his words just stuck in me because I feel like none of us would ever say it like that. But all the vision is pray, pray, pray. Sometimes I just want to be fed. Sometimes I just want to hear the words. Sometimes I really just want to worship. All they want to talk about is pray, pray, pray. Can't just little pray either. We got to go up there and we got to yell. We got to scream. We got to roll around on the ground. Hallelujah. Pastor said this morning, though, that who, who has submitted their life to the vision as much as Elder Barbara? But what does Elder Barbara have out of that prayer? She has all her kids in the ministry. She's an elder. She has revelation after revelation flowing out of her. She, she teaches Sunday school. She taught in here this morning. She has a lesson every single week for, the, for all the 15 cell groups. What does she have out of that prayer? She has things that any of us would be envious over. And babies. Grandbabies. What does she have out of the prayer? She has, she has all her heart's desire out of the prayer. So, why do I want to hear something else about how to get what God wanted for me? When I see the fruit of a life that is submitted to prayer and to the vision. Amen? Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is no other thing that pulls on us that is worth putting prayer after it. I know that, especially for my generation, the the idea of success in the world pulls on us. I need jobs. I need better jobs. I got to give my life to my job. That is... That is deceitfully wicked above all things, too. (laughs) You're not going to have that. You won't have that if you give up prayer for it. A worldly person can have it because they didn't give up nothing for it. They're just always in the world. But how how can we give up something of God and go seek something in the world and have that work for me? That won't work. But if we pray and we give our life, we give our life to prayer. We just, I just give my life to it and say, I'm, whatever, God, whatever happens, happens, God, but I'm seeking after you. I'm seeking after you, God. Nothing else is more important. Nothing else, God. Nothing else. Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to seek after you. I'm going to pray until I have a breakthrough every single day. I'm going to pray over everything that I do. If I'm going to go to work, I'm going to have a breakthrough over it so that if, it, if I get a promotion, it's not me, but it's you. You can have a promotion if you want a promotion, Holy Ghost. I'm just submitted to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.
We use a bunch of excuses, though, to not do what God's called us to do. Work is one of them. I got, I got to pay my bills. Don't you understand? Got to. Shy is one of them. Y'all know that shyness is not a personality trait. Do you know that? It's not. Introverted, extroverted are personality traits. Shyness is a spirit of fear. Introverted, extroverted doesn't have anything to do with whether you can get up and speak in front of people, whether you have boldness, whether you can get up and be used by God. That's just a preference of, I like having just a couple people over for friends, or I like having a whole bunch of people over for friends. That's the difference. And I would rather sit at home and read a book instead of go out. That's introverted, extroverted. That has nothing to do with boldness, fear, being used by God. We want to say, well, God, you don't, you know, we go by feeling. We talk, we're actually talking about this at youth on Wednesday nights. Um, my wife started um, a lesson from Lisa Bebeer's book, Kiss the Girls and Made Them Cry, about, about how, what to do with your feelings. It's really what it's about. I have the, all these feelings. What do I need to do with them? And so we go after somebody, and we have all these feelings, but, and then we're getting married before we know it, and we don't even know what God said. Didn't even ask. We have a job come along. It sounds wonderful. We, don't, we go after it because it's better. It looks better. It sounds better. Wonderful. We didn't ask God. God says, get up and say this in prayer. And before long, we don't even hear God because we say, well, I'm shy. You just don't understand. I'm shy. It's not shy. You are not shy. As a matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, Moses told God he was shy. He said, you know, I'll, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, but I really need you to get somebody else to speak for me. And do you know what God said? God said, who made a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, see or don't see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. God did not say, oh, you're right. Now, Moses kept on and kept on, and so he finally said, Aaron can go and speak for you sometimes. But one thing you notice if you read, though, is that he let Aaron speak for him in some, like, official capacities. But when it came time to declare in the word of the Lord, Aaron didn't get to declare the word of the Lord for Moses. Moses still had to step up and say what God said. Let my people go. Let my people go. Moses still had to get... God did not care how he felt, that he felt inadequate, that he felt shy. Jesus, he did not care. We don't, and so we, we feel like when God tells us to do something, we want it to happen in a way that we, that we feel comfortable with it because we don't want people to look at us and see us some way. And so let me read you a scripture. And it's in Acts chapter 3, verse 2. It says, And a certain man was lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, 
to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. We all know this story, right? Peter fastened his eyes on him with John and said, look on us. And he went ahead and healed him. But I want to show you something. Right? Go back one. Go back one. Verse 4. What did Peter say? He said, look at me. (laughs) He didn't say, I'm nobody, but I really want to direct you to Jesus. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to take you in here into the temple and maybe we'll meet God. He said, look at me, the holder of what you need. It is I. I don't, ha- I don't have what you're asking for, but I have what you need. Look at me. How many of us, first of all, how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but just ask yourself, was I just very uncomfortable when that was read? Look at me. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. No, not that one. There's a time and a place that we direct people to God, but there's a time and a place where when a need needs to be met in somebody's life, they are looking to me. And it's not because of I'm that good. It's not because you're that good or any of us are that good. We're all, we can all agree we're not that good. Pastor is. But it's because that's what the Holy Spirit wants the person to do. The Holy Spirit wants to move through us. And so he said, I want this person to be able to look at you and receive from you. Not receive from some invisible thing in the sky, but receive from the power that I have deposited into you. Because why else did I deposit all that power into you? Why else have you been in, in hours in fasting and prayer? If it's not so that I can release what is in you into somebody else, look at me. Look at me. I have, to be, I have to be okay with the fact that Holy Spirit wants somebody to look at me. Oh, Jesus. So, we don't... Um, we don't like... We don't like people to look at us in general, but one of the times I've noticed that we, that I, I'll say I, because we, we are all the same, um, don't like people to look at us is when we need, when we've done something wrong, when we are receiving correction. Now, correction can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing, and it's really all in the way we receive correction. <laughs> if I'm humble... Correction is wonderful. It's beautiful to me. I love it because that means that I will be better next time. I will, I'll know how to operate in the anointing better next time. I almost every single service go and talk to pastor and say, what can I do better? Where, was there a way that it could be different? Was there somewhere I should have stepped in and, or done something different? I'm going to after this service. Because I, because I want to receive correction, I want I want to be corrected. And if and when I'm wrong, I don't I'm wrong in front of all of y'all, and that's okay. 
It's okay to admit that I'm wrong because I'm, I'm human and I'm learning. And the same with all of us. We're all humans. Yes, amen. And we're all learning. Yes, amen. None of us have arrived. And so when I... <laughs> and so why then do we... Even saying receive correction sounds like... It still sounds like it's a parent getting on to a kid and you're going to get spanking. But there's nothing negative in in somebody saying, hey, do it this way. Instead of the way you did it. It's it's positive. Amen. So that it's a spirit that operates in us sometimes where we we take correction of don't do it this way, do it that way, as oh. But there's no uh. That's God. If my prophet and apostle says, I'm just using me as an example because I don't know who else to use. It says, Casey, you did this. You you maybe moved a little too fast right here. You need to wait over. You need to wait for God to move over here. Um, did you feel like God was moving on that person? Um, then I then I learn. I don't say because you know what, my way's not the best way. I'm not. I have not arrived to to go around and say well. And so, it's okay. It is okay. Can we say it's okay to say, "Hey, I, that I that I that I missed it right there." But hey, I'm going to get it next time. 